Welcome everyone to tonight's program. <clears throat> I like to begin my programs by remembering my guru, Baba Muktananda, who began all of his programs by saying in Hindi, Sapko varasanmane kesat pemsayadik swagat. With great respect and love, I welcome you all with all my heart. And he would always say that the essence of spirituality is to welcome another person with love. And you have to welcome yourself with love first and then welcome another person with love. And that's true spirituality. It's not about rituals, although we've done plenty of them tonight. Uh, it's not about particular esoteric practices. It's a simple movement of the human heart. So in that spirit, I want to welcome you tonight. <clears throat> it's fitting that uh, the topic should be tonight the great Bhagwan Nityananda of Ganeshpuri. You know, uh, he died, left his body in 1961, and the spiritual power is just as complete and just as intact there as it ever was. It's quite extraordinary. I've been to many holy places around the world, and in India particularly, uh, and nothing in my Estimation. I don't know whether it's just me or it's objectively true. It's hard to figure it out, but nothing compares to Ganeshpuri for me. The power of the place, just to be there is to be awakened. Uh, and this is what happened to, uh, uh, to my guru. He was an accomplished yogi. He'd left home at a very early age and he practiced and he wandered all over India and he did every kind of practice that he could find, Hatha Yoga, Raja Yoga. He learned Ayurveda, he learned cooking, he learned so many arts. I studied various ashrams, he took sannyas at the ashram Siddharud Swami in South India, he learned uh, Vedanta and an esoteric strain of Vedanta also. But nothing prepared him for his meeting with Bhagwan Nityananda, which took place in 1947. He was already, as we would say, a mature age student practically 40, and uh, then Bhagwan Nityananda just poured his shakti into him but through eye-to-eye -eye contact and transformed him completely and awoke him, awoke his uh, inner energy, his kundalini shakti, uh, <clears throat> and transformed him. Uh, and so after that, he was, became a poet of the devotional path, always singing the praises of his guru. So we're going to hear from Bhagwan Nityananda tonight, but first, Baba writing on Bhagwan. We forgot the photos, photos, <clears throat> a few photos, yes. Here is Bhagwan Nityananda. Why don't we, uh, why don't I read what Baba says about him? Beautiful photo of him. He was an avadut, as I said before, which means someone who transcended body consciousness. He'd attained the highest state of yoga, self-realization. Uh, and he, he wasn't concerned with what other people thought or with appearances. He was absorbed in his own inner state, his own state of inner bliss. And this is the goal of practice, of yoga, of meditation. This is the goal, is to find that wellspring, that source that is within every person. And these great beings become a model for us to show that it can be done. Most of us are completely at the mercy of externals. 
of success and failure in the world, of what other people think and all this kind of stuff. Um, and in doing that, we weaken ourselves. All the time, that which we look for is within us, in potential. Bhagavan Nityananda attained that state. Um, Baba writes of him. He was apparently no different from the rest of humanity, made of flesh and blood, but a visitor would get captivated by the joyous and serene face of Sri Gurudev. There was no visible give and take between him and his devotees, since for him there was nothing to gain, to give in material terms. Yet he had the thing to give without stint or measure, namely his grace, which, which led to a deep sense of peace in the recipient. This is the transmission of Shakti, or Shaktipat. We have another one? Okay. He was a fountain of peace and joy. He was the supreme bliss of the Upanishads, the dear Lord of the devotees who respond to their love, the delight of meditation of the yogis, the reality of the knowers of truth, and the bliss of consciousness of the Vedas. Baba saying that he was the ultimate goal of every kind of yoga, bhakti yoga, hatha yoga, raja yoga, uh, meditation, and so on. He says, the attention of a visitor, whether or not he had faith in him, was turned inward as he tried to understand the unusual experience of joy that he had in the presence of Sri Gurudev and locate its source inside the body. The Chaitanya, that is, the soul, hidden in the body, is in indeed the fount from which bliss incessantly flows. Chaitanya is consciousness, the alive consciousness, saying there's a principle within every person, a, per, uh, a principle of aliveness and of love and joy that we can connect with. A lot of times we feel bored, we feel empty, we feel despair, we feel sorrow, uh, but all these are overlays that behind them all is this Chaitanya, this Atman, this self. He says, the same Chaitanya, or spirit, permeates this visible universe in its fullness. Realizing this, it was not difficult to comprehend the permanent feeling of Gurudev Nityananda, that the whole universe is my home. That's Baba on Bhagwan. Got another one? <laughs> this is Bhagwan Nityananda laughing about some joke. and sitting in his chair, which is still there in his ashram in Kineshpuri. <clears throat> so Bhagavan Nityananda did not give lectures. Uh, he didn't give courses. Uh, as an avadut, he just lived moment to moment uh, in the state of, a certain state of consciousness. And people came for his blessing and to be around him. Um, but one of the devotees jotted down things he said uh, just randomly and spontaneously. He'd occasionally make some utterances. And so we're very grateful to uh, Tulsiyama, who wrote down some of his utterances. And they're all very worth thinking about. So here are some of those. They were collected in a book called Chittakash Gita, or the Song of Consciousness of the of the upper air, the upper uh, <clears throat> eternal consciousness. <clears throat> so Bhagwan says, 
Low activities and a mean disposition indicate a lack of good sense. It is this lack of sense that marks the pariah, the untouchable, the outcast. So he's getting into the whole caste system that, that's uh, endemic to India. And he's saying that, it's, that, that caste is not a matter of birth, but it's a matter of spiritual stature. That doesn't even, whatever birth you have, you can become the noblest thing through your own inner effort. And you may have a high birth in worldly terms, but you may not fulfill it. He says, <clears throat> laughing and mocking others, lying, pride, jealousy, these are the characteristics of the outcast. It is not black skin or black clothes that make an outcast nor do a turban or a wristwatch or a suit indicate an admirable man. You might be wealthy, upper class, but it doesn't mean you're admirable. <clears throat> Neither are poverty and hunger the signs of an outcast. No, he is an outcast who is selfish, who sees nothing but differences, always thinking in terms of high and low. If he does not realize the truth of Vedanta, he is no man. And uh, the sages always say that to live a human birth without exploring the truth of the self, knowing the self, uh, is to, it's worthless. It's a waste of the human birth because the goal of human birth is to know the self. That's why it's wonderful that people meditate and investigate and do self-inquiry, trying to understand this divine principle that lives within. He says, careful study of Vedanta like a well-trained horse, leads to liberation in this life. <laughs> but study that is like the wild elephant is not freedom, only delusion. So you have a well-trained horse who's disciplined and studies the truths of Vedanta, of truths of, of philosophy, or a wild elephant who just randomly does things. So live your life like a well-trained horse. I wonder if a well-trained elephant would be also acceptable. So. Here's another one. A house in which there is no lamp at night is dark and has no beauty. His statements are very uh, uh, enigmatic and uh, sometimes hard to understand. But what he's saying here is that if, you, if there's no light in the house, you can't see it. So it might have beauty, but you can't see it, so it has no beauty. So it needs, a, it needs a light to show the beauty of, right? A house is like the body. It is perishable. What a lamp is to the house is wisdom to the body. He always would make these analogies to village things and then the highest wisdom. So just as a house without a lamp can't show itself off, so without wisdom, the body is useless. The light is the light of Kundalini. A thing, so, so when we awaken, then, then we truly become fulfilled what we, the human birth is. He says, a thing hidden in mud fetches no value. The analogy there would be that when we don't know who we are, we don't know the self, then Something is hidden in the mud. Something of great value, 
but it's hidden. Most of us go through life not exploring that, not examining that, and so it remains hidden. A thing hidden in mud fetches no value. When it is discovered from the mud, it be made use of. If you discover a diamond in mud, you do not throw it away. That's it. So uh, our job as yogis is to find the diamond in the mud, the mud of all our thoughts and experiences and all of our complaints and our negativity, that mud, to find the diamond of the self shining there is the goal. Another one, see if you can make some sense of this one. The sunlight is reflected in the salt water of the sea. It is also reflected in the clear water of a tank at the top of a hill. So it's reflected in two kinds of water, right? Salt water and regular water. <clears throat> Seeing things with the physical eyes is not enough. You must experience the inner significance of the thing seen. Isn't that a strange remark? Bhagwan often would observe something and then he would make him think of a very high truth. So he saw a reflection in this water, on this water and that water, and the two different reflections, and he thought that's an analogy to some spiritual process, that one has to be subtle and go deeper. Not just take the surface of things, but go beneath the surface and examine them. Another one, short, these are short ones. Give up honor and dishonor. Give up love of body. Only then can you see God everywhere and in every being. If you're too attached to externals, it obscures the inner, the subtle. You have to give up attachment to externals, then you can go deeper. <clears throat> Another one. Gold chains around the neck, gold jewels on the ears, gold rings on fingers. These are the causes of the fear of being robbed <laughs> when they're on the body. Money is the cause of fear. When there's no gold on the body, then there's no fear. <laughs> Talking about attachment, isn't he? <clears throat> this is a longer one, a complex one. Just as the deep glow of pure gold is revealed after repeated heating, so the inner being is made luminous through the heat of concentration. So what's he talking about here? Hmm? Meditation? Yeah, meditation, sadhana. The spiritual, it, it's like uh, in alchemy, they heat the, they heat the uh, retort and they purify. And uh, in many processes, chemical processes, you heat it and heat it and distill the purity. And so the analogy is to the spiritual process by meditation, by self-inquiry, by practice, mantra repetition, you burn up ignorance and you get rid of the, the dross and you come to the pure gold of the self. That's what he's talking about. <clears throat> he says, let the world be illuminated within. This is one means, the way of understanding. Perfect one-pointedness. Dharana, it means meditation. Perfect one-pointedness, dharana, 
is understanding. By the clear understanding, we come nearer to the self, to the Atman. So when we, we develop our understanding, we understand how things really are. We understand what things are valuable and what things are not valuable. We draw closer to the inner self. And now he says something that's interesting. Experience does not come from words. Words flow from experience. <clears throat> and to me, that rem reminds me of a story that Baba used to tell. Baba used to tell once that he was with Bhagwan Nityananda, and he was carrying a book everywhere. He used to read a lot. He read scriptures a lot, read the Upanishads, read different yogic texts, and he always carried a book. This is Baba Muktananda. And uh, Bhagwan said, saw him, said, hey, Muktananda, there's, you're carrying a book. He says, yes, Baba. He says, a book comes from the head. The head doesn't come from a book. Same thing. Experience does not come from words. Words come from experience. So what's he saying there? He's saying, look for the direct experience. Through, through reading a book, it's, it can be valuable but you're actually just getting other people's words, other people's experiences. Find your own experience. Find the direct experience. This is what second education is, the direct experience of the divine. Make effort to find it. Don't just content yourself with parroting what other people say. He says, the tree is in the seed. The seed is not in the tree. Man is not in the world. The world is in man. That's something to think about. And the world is subject to man. We express in words what we think in our minds. The heart should be free from hypocrisy. The heart of man should be perfectly pure. What the heart thinks, the tongue should talk. What one thinks, one must talk. So speak the truth, speak it clearly, and simply, nobody you should deceive, nobody you should hate. Bhagwan is giving instructions for living. Don't deceive anybody, don't hate anybody. In the company of others, live always within yourself. Keep the mind one-pointed. So even when you move with other people, never lose touch with the self. Don't give the self away. Always be aware of the self, no matter what you're doing. Then you're aware of the inner world. Then you're aware of the subtle. He says, the deceitful heart is like the face of the sun during monsoon. Now, a lot of times the sun is hidden during the monsoon. At times the sun breaks through the clouds and shines with glory, but in minutes it's hidden again. So in the monsoon, months, you know, from July through uh, September in India, there's a lot of rain. Every day there's huge downpour. Next minute, the sun comes out and it's like it's hot and uh, nothing. Then you think it's hot and the next minute it's raining again. So he's saying sometimes the sun breaks out, but in minutes it's hidden again. <clears throat> so also the mind of man. Sometimes it appears to be pure, but again, in five minutes, it's overclouded by passions. 
So it's like the sun in the monsoon. It comes out, then it's hidden. And so same is true of a person. He must have seen that in his devotees. Sometimes they're in the clear space of good feeling and they're completely calm and peaceful and then suddenly they're in the grip of jealousy or anger or fear, resentment, uh, you know, or whatever, self-pity, and they become something else. Then the sun is hidden, the sun of the self. He says, the sky of the heart is not visible to the physical eye, only to the subtle eye. Through thinking, this is very interesting, through thinking, know the thought. Through sound, know the sound. Through mind, know the mind. It's very Zen-like, isn't it? Through thinking, know the thought. Through sound, know the sound. Through mind, know the mind. That's a very Bhagwan Nityananda statement. Inquire, investigate, see what there is, examine it, and know it. <clears throat> One more. To listen, to really listen to Bhagwan Nityananda, you have to develop a different kind of listening. You know, we've been doing, uh, we've been talking a lot about first education and second education recently because uh, we're going to introduce some courses of second education. Second education means the education of the spirit, the direct experience of the self. First education is our conventional education, the education of the mind, what you learn in the university, different uh, arts and crafts and history and so on. Um, but Bhagavan Nityananda speaks only to second education. He's constantly speaking to the, to the essence of the self. So you have to listen in a different way. You have to listen with your spiritual ear tuned in. He never gives you any information but he puts you in touch with that highest experience. Last one. Bhagavan Nityananda says, he is a yogi who has experienced the joy of the absolute. So if in your meditation or in your practice, you've experienced that joy of the absolute, what is the joy of the absolute? It's pure joy, it's not attached to something. It's not attached to some success you had in life. Somebody praised you. You, uh, you were playing a sport, you hit a good shot. None of that, it just comes from itself. It's uncaused, it's not caused by anything external. It's pure joy. He says, Maya is transient. So the illusion is temporary. It's a long lasting temporary though in some cases. Oh, hurry, burn the ego. One who has destroyed the mind has destroyed delusion. So Bhagavan says, destroy the mind. What does he mean? You should have no mind? No. But the destructive mind, the tendencies of the mind that lead it into negativity, you should destroy that. The, the, the mind wants to feel self-pity. The mind wants to complain. The mind wants to hate. The mind wants to resent. The mind wants to feel somebody else has more than me 
or somebody doesn't like the mind that goes down those directions, that should be destroyed. Because those, those mental tendencies bring us down. They take us away from the joy of who we really could be. He says, <clears throat> Maya is not the Lord. Shiva is the Lord. It's very hard not to be caught in Maya. The world is filled with Maya, isn't it? Especially these days. Terrible stuff going on in the world. So many difficulties. But despite all that, Shiva is the Lord. The self is the Lord. Consciousness is the Lord. There's a greater principle than the war in Ukraine. There's a greater principle than the pandemic. And there's a greater plan than all of that that includes all of that. This is, so Shiva is the Lord. Maya is not the Lord. So never lose connection with that higher principle. Everyone knows there is butter in milk. When the milk has been boiled, butter can be churned out. But so few take the butter. You have to make a little effort to find the butter in the milk of the heart, to find the gold inside. You have to make some effort. Milk is bhakti, love and devotion. Heating the milk on the fire is the power of discrimination. Through wisdom, we heat the milk. <laughs> we churn out the butter through true understanding. The vessel for discrimination is intelligence, buddhi. The fire is the fire of yoga. Bhagavan saying you have to make some effort spiritually to attain the goal. You can't just read a book and say the book says I am that, therefore I am that. Now I'm a realized yogi. No. You have to practice. You have to struggle with your negative tendencies. You have to meditate every day. You have to say the mantra when the mind goes wrong. And in that fire, you grow. And in that growth, you attain. He says, in this fire, the six enemies of the body are destroyed and butter is extracted. You fight the six enemies. These are the classical six enemies of yoga. What are they? Anger, desire, envy, passion, greed, and delusion. Those are called the six enemies. And through, uh, through meditation, through contemplation, you achieve victory over them. So Bhagwan's a real yogi. Raja Yogi believed in practice and overcoming and struggling deadly mortal combat with bad tendencies and overcoming it. But he says the delusion is that these tendencies are so strong, they're not that strong. They can be overcome because Shiva is Lord, not Maya. Yourself is Lord, not your ignorance. Ignorance seems very strong sometimes, but the truth is much greater and much uh, and not that hard to attain, especially when you have the company of these great beings. So this is Bhagwan Nityananda. So let's do a little practice. We have to now, don't we? Just a little bit. We'll just meditate now for 10 minutes. And so inside there's butter. <laughs> and inside there's gold. And inside behind all the different emotions, there's joy, there's peace. And how do we attain that peace? 
by turning our mind within and focusing it. And that inner self will reveal itself. We can make use of the mantra of this lineage, Om Namah Shivaya. Just repeat that, and that will help you take the mind away from other kinds of tendencies. We'll just turn within, and as Bonnie was talking in the beginning, do the, watch the breath. Watch the breath come in and go out. Just, just lightly put your attention on the breath. The breath goes in, the breath goes out. Breath comes in, breath goes out. When you bring your attention to it, then a certain alchemy takes place, a certain transformation takes place. But it's very important to spend a little time in turning our awareness towards the self, inwardly, because through that we strengthen ourselves spiritually. We overcome these bad tendencies and we grow in peace and in joy. So let's meditate now on the self for 10 minutes. And once again, with great respect and love, I welcome you all with all my heart. Satguna, Maharaj.